If you have your Bibles, uh, I need you to turn to the book of Joshua. We've already made mention of this about uh, a harlot that got holy. But we're going to look a little closer about her faith. Joshua chapter 2, we're just going to look at verse number 15, but there's a number of passages that we're going to be looking at. Uh, And if you had to put a title on this uh, evening's uh, message, it would be a scarlet thread. A scarlet thread. As you read the story of Rahab and you hear about her faith, we see that there is something that if we're not uh, careful, we can miss. And we find that in verse number 15. This is what the Bible says. Remember the spies have come and talked to her and she's been helpful to them. Remember she expressed her faith because she recognized the power of God. She even told them, oh, she says, I know the God that you serve. It's the God that parted the waters. And uh, she says that because of what God has done, uh, there are a lot of people who uh, are affected by it. Now, not all of them have gotten on board, but everyone has been under the influence of it. I don't know about you, but I pray that our church is, when it's all said and done, that the Lord Jesus would say this. They might not have got everything right. They had some bumps along the way. But one thing you can say about that church is that the influence that they had on reaching a community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the church I want to be a part of. Where we are making an influence. Not everybody's going to get on board. We understand that. But at least we're making a difference. And so she tells them and so they come up with a plan and we see her faith starting to be exercised. Look in verse number 15. Then she let, she let them down by a cord. Now some translations uh, you'll see it later on uh, as we go through this chapter here. Uh, it's referred to as a line, a scarlet line. Some translations say it's a scarlet thread. Here it's a cord or oh, you could also use a rope. Okay, any of those would work. All mean the same thing. So she let down uh, a cord or a rope through the window for, uh, from her, for her house was up on. Now, uh, this is very important. I want you to, uh, uh, we're going to come back and revisit this, but uh, this is something that I've read this story many times over. And, I, and as I kept on reading, uh, especially when you go into the sixth chapter of Joshua, when the, uh, the, the invading army comes in and the walls fall down, and we're going to look at that. Uh, if, you, you, if you miss this, then you, you're going to lose sight of something here. It says, notice what it says. It says, look where her house was up, was up on the town wall. And she dwelt up on the wall. And when you get to chapter 6, it's going to be one of those aha moments. Now I start to see. 
So by God's grace, we're going to preach this message entitled, A Scarlet Thread. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, help us to never, ever forget. We can be the most eloquent speakers or we can have trouble butchering up the English language. And Lord, even though we want to do our best for you, help us to understand it's the power of the word that changes lives, that sets people free. Lord, this church has been known of standing on the word. May we never, ever forget that. There's power, wonder-working power in the Word of God. And Lord, as we look at your Word tonight, maybe this will be a message that would encourage. Maybe this will be a message that will challenge. This could be a message that brings conviction on someone. As we talked about this morning, recognizes the fact that if you were to come tonight, they'd be left behind. I pray they get that settled before we leave this place this evening. May you receive all glory. May you receive all honor. Because what takes place here tonight is not dependent upon Mike. It's dependent upon you. And I pray that you would be recognized that you're the one that changes lives. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We pray this prayer in the wonderful name, the mighty name, the name where every knee will bow and every tongue confess. We pray this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we see the story, and we've already made a um, reference to it. We see also in verse number 15 and also in verse number 20, uh, uh, 21, if I'm not mistaken, is that this cord that's made mention of, of in verse number 15, it made mention that it's a scarlet thread or a, a, a scarlet line. So we understand that scarlet is a color for the color of scarlet's red. Red is the color for blood. When you look at the scriptures and you go all the way back to Genesis, we understand there's a scarlet thread that weaves its way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We understand that back in, uh, in Genesis uh, where Cain and Abel brought offerings, that one had an acceptable offering, the other didn't. And the reason why the other did not have an acceptable offering is because it was not a blood offering. We also see as you go into Abraham... Abraham, when he was asked to, uh, to sacrifice his son, and he was willing to do that, we made mention of this before, that Abraham, he loved his son, but he loved the Lord even more. And so he was willing to give his only son. Now, we see that it was going to be a blood sacrifice. But then you go into the tabernacle. And when you go and understand the tabernacle, uh, when they would come to the tabernacle uh, to worship, they would bring a animal sacrifice. And the priests there uh, would slit the throats and uh, they would cut it up. And uh, we understand it was 
a bloody, bloody sacrifice that had to be given. Even when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, it would be a blood offering. And the Bible tells us the high priest would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. See, you go from Genesis and work your way through the Old Testament. And then when they came to the temple, they also would bring animal sacrifices. And then when you go into the Gospels, we see uh, when it talks about the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the, the Scriptures tells us that it was His blood that we could have remission of our sin. Uh, by the way, because of what Jesus Christ did, there's no longer any need to bring sacrifices anymore because when Jesus took care of it, He took care of it once and for all. And so we go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We see the scarlet thread is weaved in and out, in and out. It's always been about the blood. I want you to understand that the, the God the Father had a plan for salvation. He didn't change His plan. Uh, he didn't do like many of us do. Now I know some of you are, are, are very organized, and we talked about this a little earlier today, uh, but you've got everything in order, and uh, you know, that's well and good. Uh, but sometimes uh, when we are uh, involved in something, we'll say things like this. Well, how, how are things going? I'm just kind of get through the day. Now, I understand that we live day by day. I understand that. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes that's how we treat our life, is it not? You know, we're in, a, we're in a mess. We got a decision to make. And so a lot of times we'll say, if I can just get through today, I'm tired, I got a whole lot on me. If I can just get through this day, maybe I can think a little clearer. I want you to know God never had that problem. He had a mind, a plan of salvation, and it's always been the same plan of salvation. And that is, there must be a a blood sacrifice that will suffice for the atonement of our sins. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't uh, go by and say, well, this plan doesn't work out. I'll try something different. Aren't you glad that when He sets out a plan, His plan always comes to fruition. He didn't have to change anything. He will not have to change anything. It's a perfect plan. And this plan of salvation has always been one that involves blood. So the scarlet thread, we see it being weaved throughout. Notice also that as she hung uh, this rope out, this scarlet rope, it also signified her line of business. You've all heard about the red light district. In Cincinnati, back many years ago, they had a, uh, in the downtown area, they called it the combat zone. And this was where all the adult entertainment, it was uh, housed in these uh, few blocks there. We're all familiar with that saying, the red light. When you say, oh yeah, she's from the red light district, you knew exactly what kind of lifestyle she had. Isn't it interesting that this scarlet thread that she put out her window was also helping her to remember that she used 
to have a past like that. Notice I use the word used to have a past like that. Aren't you glad that no matter what sin you've committed, no matter how depraved you might have been in the past, that when you came to know Jesus Christ, when you confessed your sins and you repented of your sins, the Bible says that His blood covered your sin, but not only covered your sin, but removed your sin from you. And the Bible tells us that He will not bring it to remembrance no more. He will cast it as far as the east is from the west. Aren't you glad no matter how deep in sin you were in, you had a Savior who loved you and plucked you up and His blood has washed you and He's washed you clean. And so here we see that she hung this cord out. Now, also, we need to understand that there was a there was some requirements there. We know that she exercised faith because in four, uh, verse number 14, you remember the, the verse where the, the two spies went and talked to her and they said, now here's what our plan is and here's what you need to do for us. Now understand, she had never met these two guys before. She didn't know who they were. She had to exercise some faith that they would do what they said they would do. They said this, they said, if you will help us with that, and if you put this scarlet cord outside your window, that when we come to invade the city and to destroy the city, we will spare you. But then, they had to exercise some faith in her. The only thing they knew about her is her line of work. But so we're starting to see on both sides, faith is involved. See, the Bible tells us for us to come to know Jesus, to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, uh, for us to have forgiveness of our sins, we must place faith in Him. Now, we haven't all got it all figured out. One of the things of working with children uh, that I've learned to find out that many of them will come back a little bit later on and say, well, uh, I'm starting to get a little more information. I'm starting to know, I'm starting to mature in my faith a little bit. Uh, and I hear them say that quite a bit. But you know, uh, we as adults can say the same thing. Amen. We all have room to grow. We all have room to mature in our faith. But here's the starting point. The starting point is faith. We preached on it last Sunday. You must have a childlike faith. You're just trusting Jesus. That's all you know to do. You're just trusting Jesus. My friend, that's good enough. Because here we're starting to see that she had to not just say, I, I really believe in you guys and, 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 uh, and I, I really like the plan and, and I believe you're a man of your word. But if she did not act upon that, it would be no use to her. See, you can sit here and you can say, do you have faith? Do you have faith that God can do this? I have faith that God can do this. Do you have faith that no matter who you're talking to, no matter how deep in sin they are, do you really believe that they can get saved? Oh, I believe God can save anybody, but yet you don't go and tell nobody about Jesus? Do you see your faith has to have some action behind it? See, we can sit here all day and we can be in these corners and we can say, God can do anything. God can, God can. But yet we don't go out and do what we say we believed. And the question is, do we really have faith? 
Faith means there will be actions. James says it this way, if you if you're have faith, then you will have works. Now, you don't work to get faith, you don't work to get saved, but you work because you've been saved. And you work because you have faith. I believe that God can save anybody. And that's the reason why we can go and talk to the one that's living under the bridge. We can go uh, and, and talk to the ones that are in addiction programs. And, and no matter what they've done, we can go over here to the corner and we can talk to those who are incarcerated and let them know that they can come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And we can say, yeah, I believe God can save them, but yet we don't go and tell anybody, then you really don't have faith. Faith has to take action. Here, she exhibit her faith because as soon as she had the discussion with the spies, she put the cord outside her window. But notice here also is that we know that there's a demand. There has to be something that takes place. When you go back to the Passover, you all know the story. Uh, They were told to put the blood over their doors, right? And the death angel would come over it. But see, they could go and say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe that he'll spare us. But if they didn't go and apply the blood, then they are not exercising their faith. See, the Scarlet Letter here is a a book that was written some years ago. You all know the story. It was a young lady who was uh, called in adultery. Uh, She was uh, tried and and she had to go around and she had to wear uh, on her dress or uh, on whatever she was wearing, she had to have uh, a letter uh, that was in Scarlet. And everywhere she went, everybody knew she was a sinner. She, she was very open about it. She was wearing the letter. Everywhere she went, when they saw that letter, they knew she was a sinner. My dear friend, we need to be very careful that maybe you have not been caught in adultery. And maybe you're not wearing a scarlet letter where everybody knows. See, sometimes our sins are very open, are they not? Sometimes everybody knows Sometimes you've gone on Facebook and uh, you were, uh, you're shot uh, uh, as they uh, arrested you uh, is now gone public. And we can be very, very quick to judge and, and to jump up and down and say, yeah, 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 look at them, look at them. But may I remind you, the scripture is quite clear that he doesn't put degrees on sins. He says it's just sin. See, you're just as guilty of committing adultery as if you were lying. Now, this is is where we lose sight of this, especially in the church. We go around and we get a little pious and, and we may not go and we might not murder and we might not do all these other big sins. But yet, we'll go ahead and gossip and we'll go ahead and uh, do this. We'll go ahead and stab somebody in the back. We can go on and on and on. But we think that's okay. It's not as bad as that guy over there. The last time I checked, we're all guilty as charged. And so here's the scarlet letter. She was recognized for her lifestyle, but she also... Uh, showed action. She showed her faith. 
She put it into practice, if you will. But then also we see a sense of urgency. See, right after she has this conversation, uh, she goes and she's concerned about her family. She goes and starts talking to her family. She even in the conversation says, well, about my family. And they said that who's ever in your house when we come back will be saved. See, she had, she didn't wait around. Notice if you read chapter 2 and just read it all through, you'll notice there was no hesitation on Rahab's part. Immediately, immediately she went and told her family members. See, that's kind of what we lost sight of. We don't have a a sense of urgency. We'll get around to it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been just as guilty. God's laid some people on my heart, and uh, I I look at my calendar, and I say, man, there's just no time I can get to them today. And, uh, you know, and then the next day comes, and guess what? Something else comes up. And next thing you know, a week's passed. God's laid somebody on your heart. But here's a week passed. And as it continues to go on, out of sight, out of mind. We completely forget about it. I really believe that we are still responsible. God's laid them on our heart. And we'll come up with all kinds of excuses. Back in the church that I got to... Saved under the preaching of uh, Brother Gerald Smith, who's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, so I, I got saved. Now, of course, I'm fired up for the Lord. And I started going on visitation. I went with one of the deacons. Now, this deacon was a little rough around the edges, but he was a good man, loved the Lord. And uh, he was my visiting partner. So he says, we got to go see Mr. Brown. Now, I don't know if that was his name or not, but he says, we're going to go see Mr. Brown tonight. Uh, we got word that he needs to, to know the Lord Jesus. We're going to go try to win this uh, guy. And I said, okay, man, I'm fired up. We go. We go to an apartment complex there in the Rivergate area, closer to Madison. And uh, it, it was uh, uh, where all the uh, apartments were inside. So we're walking down this hallway and we're looking for the number. And we knock on the door that we looked at our visitation slip and it was D4, whatever the number went. Knocked on the door. Somebody opens the door, just kind of didn't open it all the way. Why? But just partially where we could see. It was the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. He was huge. And then I could see that they were playing poker. There was a fifth of Jack Daniels whiskey up there. And then I smelt an aroma that many of you have smelt before. See, I didn't even have to say the aroma. Y'all knew exactly where we was going with this. You bunch of sinners. And, and y'all had that, and, and smoke was rolling out of there. I looked, and there's about four or five guys, and they're burly guys. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. So Tommy, that's the deacon, I said, he, he'll, he'll take charge here. I'm new, so I don't know what to do. And, and so I, I just kind of stand back, and he says, uh, and now the man that we were looking for was Mr. Brown. We were at the right apartment. The man that we were talking to was Mr. Brown. But Brother Tommy said, "Uh, are you Mr. Green? And he says, no, 
Oh, okay, sorry to disturb you. And we moved on. (laughs) Now, after we got back in the car, I looked at him and he says, don't say nothing. (laughs) Don't tell the preacher. We chickened out. Now, that's a a little uh, story. It's a, a funny little story, but there's a whole lot of truth to that. Sometimes God's laid somebody on our heart. Then Satan comes up and says, do you really want to talk to this guy? Don't you know this guy's reputation? Don't you know that he's a, he, he's a drunkard? Don't, I, I've been uh, some of my pastors. I would want to go and visit, and they would come and tell me certain people that, Preacher, you're just wasting your time. Isn't that a sad testimony? Amen. Aren't you glad that somebody didn't say that about you? Or even if they said something about you, the person that went and knocked on your door still had faith to understand God can save anyone. And so here she has a sense of urgency. Uh, so uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 2, says, Now is the time unto salvation. In Genesis 6, verse number 3, it says that God's Spirit will not always strive with man. The Bible also tells us in the book of Romans that there will come a time where He will turn you over to a reprobate mind. Now, we do not know when that time is, but God knows when that time is. And and since we do not know what that time is, why are we so quick to go ahead and sum things up and say things like, we're wasting our time with that person? Isn't it sad that we have churches where the new pastor comes in, they says, oh, brother, uh, hey, I just want you to know, the last three pastors went and visited that old boy, and he turned them down, he cursed them and all that. You're just wasting your time. I'm telling you, it's not a waste of time. If the Lord has laid somebody on your heart, you need to go and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ because it is our responsibility. It is our mandate. And matter of fact... It shows how your faith is. So here, sense of urgency. But, but then we see what was delivered. Now I want you to turn to the 6th chapter of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse number 20. And we're going through verse number 21. I'm going to paraphrase all that. But here's what's taking place. Here again, we see an act of faith. Remember the instructions that they had when they were going to come uh, to invade Jericho. They were told that they were supposed to walk around the walls. Remember the story? Once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they were supposed to go seven times. Then the Bible goes on and tells us, when you hear and you will hear the trumpet from the priest... Of course, we understand the Bible says when they did what they were told to. Now, take this into consideration. These were soldiers. They knew about warfare. They'd been in battles before. But they never received instructions like this before. See, sometimes when God speaks to us, He speaks to us and we kind of look and thought, Really? You really want me to do this? But if God has told you to do something, 
that does not contradict His Word. By the way, He will never tell you anything that contradicts His Word. So if God is truly speaking to you, we need to act upon our faith and do it. See, some of you have missed some blessings because some of the things that the Lord's told you didn't make any sense to you and you were disobedient. Lord, you understand my limitations. I want you to know I used all kinds of excuses not doing what God wanted me to do. When I was called, I knew I was called to pastor and to preach. Okay? I didn't want to do that. I've been around Baptist churches long enough to know I didn't want to be a pastor. A pastor. When things are going good, he gets all the praises. But when things got going south, he gets all the blame. By the way, it's sort of like a quarterback of a football team. The quarterback gets all the heroics, doesn't he? I mean, they could, they could win three to nothing, and they would say, boy, the quarterback brought us through today. He got us in position to kick that field goal. Well, the quarterback didn't win the game. The field goal kicker, poor field goal kickers, they, got, they never get credit, do they? They just kick a ball. But man, we're rejoicing when we, our team and the field goal kicker hits that, right? We'll say things like, we ought to be paying him more. But the quarterback always gets the blame or when things are going south. It doesn't matter if his defense stinks. You know, they're scoring 50 points, but their defense is allowing 70 points. That quarterback, we got to get us a new quarterback. Same way with the pastor of the church. He's preaching his heart out. He's doing what God's called him to do. He can't help it if he has some that are just not pulling their weight and not doing what they're supposed to. The last time I checked, this is for us together. We are called a body for a purpose. See, you might be a finger, but that finger is vitally important to the rest of the body. You'll go ahead and you'll say, well, the toe. The toe never gets recognized. I mean, he's covered up most of the time. Nobody sees him. But you go break a toe or you lose a toe, you'll find out it affects your whole body. See, what I'm trying to say is every one of us that's a member of the body needs to function as the member that we've been called to do. And so I didn't want to be a pastor, didn't care to be a pastor. And so I thought, here I'll do, I'll go into prison. I'll go to the prisons. I figure, now is this not sad, a commentary on the church, when someone decides they'll have a better chance in the prison than in a church. But I thought that. For one thing, I thought, well, they can't get out. They can't come after me. They don't have my phone number. And so I did that for a while. But I was still not satisfied. So I thought, okay, I'm okay. So youth pastor, I tell, oh man, that's a piece of work. You just have to uh, get some teenagers together, throw some fun and games, uh, give them some preaching, and then you just send them on their way. Well, that's not youth ministry. Youth ministry is that you've got to invest in these kids. That takes a lot of time and energy. So I did that for a while. Still was not satisfied. And then that one day, when I said, Lord, I get it. 
I surrendered at Providence Village in between Lake City and Gainesville, Florida. And when I finally surrendered to do what God had called me to do, a load was lifted off of me. My dear friend, God might not be calling you to pastor a church. He might not be calling you to teach. He might not be calling you to uh, drive a van, but He has called you to do something. And so here we see they got their marching orders. So they do exactly. They exhibit faith. And the Bible says that the walls fell flat. But, remember in verse number 15, where it says, And Rahab's house was up on the wall. And as you go into the last part of this chapter, Joshua tells the guys, Go to her house. They went to her house. Her house is on the wall. All the other wall has fell flat except one section where Rahab lived. Why? The scarlet thread was hanging out the window. And the Bible tells us when they went, all of her household came out. They were all saved. Why? Because of that scarlet Thread. We also see that when we come by the blood, the blood will also protect us. Now, just hang on. I got to make sure you don't understand I'm getting crazy and I'm fixing to go uh, totally charismatic on you. But we'll say things, and I think I said it this way that we claim the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's exactly what we do because it's the blood that not only brings salvation, but it's the blood that will protect us. We are covered by the blood. And Satan can do all that he wants to, and he will, but he can't have us. Isn't that good? Now, in 1 Peter, it talks about uh, the, 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 the devil is like a roaring lion ready to devour. I heard a commentary that uh, because if a person gets saved, that that lion becomes gumless, doesn't have any teeth. I beg to differ. The scripture speaks for itself. It said, devour. The last time I checked... I have all my teeth, but last time I checked, people with dentures cannot devour a piece of meat with gums. If you can, you need to show us how to do it. You got to have teeth, right? Satan still has his teeth. And he might bite us, but he will not consume us. Because greater that he that's in us is he that's in the world. The devil cannot possess us, but he sure can oppress us. But I got good news for you. Even in those times, 
the blood of Jesus Christ will get us through. The blood. We don't... Now, we see there are some churches that have taken out of their... Uh, out of their music and their hymnals, they want to take the blood out. They say it's too gory, it's too messy. Well, life is messy. This book is a bloody book. It started in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. Because without the blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the blood... Do you hear? Without the blood, there is no hope for us. And we understand that the only blood that could provide salvation is pure blood. Now, some have said, do you think, and I've had the question, do you think the Lord could have the capacity to sin? No. No. Because His blood was pure blood. That's the reason why it's very important for us to understand that he was born of a virgin. See, they've even tried to take that out. Some translations take virgin out and put young maiden in there. That totally changes everything. It must because, by the way, the Bible, the prophecy of Scripture says it must be of a virgin. And so we do not have the right. Matter of fact, when you get to Revelation, it says you better be careful. You you don't need to add nor subtract. Now, here again, this is Mike's take on this. Some people say, well, that's just the book of Revelation. I believe it's for the whole book. We have no right to add or subtract. And by the way, that kind of gets us in trouble at times because there are some things that others don't want to preach about because it's going to stir somebody up. See, we don't like to preach about sin anymore because no one wants to deal with sin. No one wants to be reminded of our sin. But I'm telling you, I'm grateful that I am at a church where the whole book is preached. Blood, the blood is preached. I'm telling you, it might be messy, it might be nasty, but without the shedding of the blood, the pure blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, none of us have any hope. And our hope is in what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the Bible is quite clear. He shed His blood so that we could go free. So Rahab here is a beautiful picture, is it not? Of faith in action. But it's also a reminder... That Rahab used to be a harlot. Now she's a child of the king. Aren't you glad that the word didn't didn't drop anything out? See, aren't you glad that these men, many of them men and women, that the Bible shows their warts and all. It shows that none of us are perfect. They were not perfect. Aren't you glad it didn't skip over the part about the sin of David? But even though his sin, he had to suffer the consequences. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. I don't know you, but that encourages me to know that when I'm imperfect and I am many times over, I can still be forgiven of my sin. I can be still cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and I can go and I will spend all eternity with Him. 
And so here, Rahab, who was a harlot, became holy. And the very same thing that identified her as a harlot now identifies her as holy. Isn't that good? That's Jesus. That's just the way he operates. Aren't you glad that you didn't get it all together before you got saved? I was talking, uh, and I, I just got to tell this story. Uh, and, and if you're in my Sunday school class, just pretend like you've heard it for the first time. Too many times we like to play Holy Spirit, don't we? We really do. I was pastoring a church. One of my ladies invited uh, a lady uh, to come to church. Was not churched, and she was lost. And so one Sunday she shows up. Now, we're a little country church. Everybody knows when you have a visitor, right? And so she comes, and uh, they sit down towards the front. She was a very attractive young lady. That's what somebody told me. I, I don't know. And uh, uh, she had a, a, a dress, <laughs> sort of, kind of a dress. It was a very short dress, and it kind of clung pretty tight and I was on the pulpit and here she comes down. We just had a center aisle. So here she comes. I find it kind of comical, but the guys were kind of, they didn't want to be noticed, you know, so they got kind of like, they followed her all the way to her seat and, you know, then they turn around like that. And I thought, you heathens. (laughs) So she sits down and she comes back again next week. Short dress, kind of clinging. She comes in and the guy's going, yeah. About two or three weeks, she's coming to church. Well, some of the ladies in the church were a little concerned. And I find it kind of odd that the ladies were wives of the guys that were doing the double takes. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sure, I, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall at their house, you know? And they said, uh, what are you going to do about it, preacher? I said, I'm, I don't know. I said, let's give it a little time. I said, she's, she does not know. She's lost. And I said, and if another week or two goes long, we'll get some of our ladies and go and, you know, speak to her about, uh, it was an, another week or two. One Sunday she comes and she has a dress that goes all the way down to the ankles and everything was covered up. And I thought, wow, well, I guess somebody went and talked to her. So the girl that brought her in, I saw her the following week and I said, hey, did you say something to her about her dress? She says, oh, no, 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 no. She said, uh, she called me. And she said, you know, I've been coming to your church for a little while now, and I notice I'm the only lady that dresses like I dress. And she said, well, yeah. She said, I think, and I'm asking you, would you go with me so I can get some clothes to wear to church? Now, why am I telling you this story? Now, there's times when there needs to be intervention. Don't don't misunderstand me. 
But sometimes we're awful quick to pull the trigger and thinking it's our job to clean people up. It's our job to bring them in. The Lord Jesus can clean them up. And we got to be careful how we start sizing people up because there was a time when they were probably sizing you up. Folks, there's lost people that need to know Jesus. There are people that live on the other side of the track, so to speak. There's some that don't have a clue to what church is about. And we better be careful who we're wanting to pick and choose, who we want to bring into the fellowship. That's God's job. Rahab was a harlot. But she got saved because of her faith. There's people outside these walls. There are alcoholics, addicts, strippers, prostitutes, and they need Jesus. And it's our job to hang the scarlet thread out so they know how to come to know Jesus in a personal way.